Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel. I am super excited that you guys are here with us today. I am joined, as usual, by the man who rides a white horse into the studio to record these shows. You know him as Dean Holland. I know him as the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Dean Holland. I think, I think everybody should now know me as the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. <laughs> hey, who needs a name like Dean anyway? That, that'll do. <laughs> You'd just be walking down the street and people be, is that, what, is that the bearded wonder? <laughs> just drifting on by. <laughs> That's right. I'm awesome, James. How are you doing? Excellent. I am I'm very excited for our show today, Dean. Um, I saw the I saw the intake and the bio and stuff, and I thought, James, this is all James. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I, I mean, obviously, we only have one get one uh, one listener on our show, uh, which yeah, is your I mom, um, which is uh, which is great, and we we definitely appreciate her. So selfishly, I you know I want to make sure we get the absolute best people, and we have a guy here today named Scott McCain who has just got. The most cool resume and background um, I think I've ever seen. I'm just going to like read one little thing and then I'm going to introduce Scott. Arnold Schwarzenegger booked him for a presentation at the White House with the president and audience. Not too many people can say that. No. So uh, I can't even imagine what we're going to get into on the show here today. Scott, welcome. Uh, so, so excited to have you, man. Thanks. I appreciate that, James and Dean. Great to be with you. Although I don't, you know, you're kind about the resume, but I, 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 you can't say I'm a bearded wonder from the United Kingdom on a white (laughs) horse. That cannot be topped right there. That's the best. (laughs) It is true. Dean, Dean does have that, uh, that distinction, or at least going forward, he'll have that distinction. Right. I'm just going to stop responding if anyone calls me Dean anymore. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> for the rest of the show, we have to, if we're trying to talk to him, hey, Bearded Wonder, we have a question for you. <laughs> What's the acronym for Bearded Wonder from the UK on a white horse? That, that, would, be, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have somebody work that up. So, so I got to ask, Scott, how does, um, how does one get booked? Uh, how does one get asked by Arnold Schwarzenegger to appear at the White House? <laughs> it's kind of a, a, a Weird story. I, I was given a speech uh, for an organization, and uh, yeah, doesn't it seem like the thing that, that you know you might want to tell the speaker about ahead of time? I walk out on the stage and I start <laughs> giving the speech, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's in the front row, and uh, you know, I want to stop. Yeah, I want to stop my talk and go. Do you know who you are? You know, I mean, this is <laughs> the biggest movie star in the world at that particular time, and you know. I, I just, I just hope to get a chance to meet him, and I, you know, I hoped he liked the speech, and 
and all that. Well, after the after the program was over, um, he shook my hand and he said, "Someday we'll work together." And I, I have to admit, I thought, yeah, you know, yeah, right. I can see me in Terminator Nine, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, it, it, they contacted me, and they and at that time he was the uh, chairman of the President's Council on Fitness and Sports. And he said, we're going to have the Great American Workout. It's going to be at the White House. I want you to do uh, part of the speech that I heard you give. I want you to emcee the program. I want you to kind of, you know, run the show. And um, it, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It, 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 it was surreal, though. I mean, you know, to, to stand on the stage and literally behind the presidential seal and and to do, you know, 10, 15-minute talk. And, and literally everyone in the audience was famous. I was the only one I'd never heard of. <laughs> in group, you know, it was, it was really wild. It, it was, a, it was a great experience and, and he could not have been nicer. Uh, he, he was just extraordinary to me and has booked me a couple other times for, for things. So I I'm, was very fortunate to work for him. Wow. That's very, very cool. That's yeah. exciting. So, so besides, uh, you know, besides, you know, knowing Arnold Schwarzenegger and getting booked on these things, you're, you're more well known for, uh, you know, for helping companies figure out how to distinguish themselves in the marketplace. Is, is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's been fascinating to me. What makes a business or, or even an, an individual entrepreneur stand out? Uh, one of the things that, consistently happens. And I'm, I'm sure you guys have the same experiences. You, you you have these people who work extraordinarily hard at what they do, but then they don't know how to make what they do stand out in a, in a hyper-competitive marketplace. And there's, you know, there's so many folks out there competing for, for not only market share, but mind share. And, and how do you create that and how do you deliver that? So that's, that's really what I've focused on and what I've tried to specialize in over the last several years. That's that's amazing. So uh, so I want to get into some uh, some tips on you know how companies can do that, and uh, you know our listeners are you know entrepreneurs who are encountering those same challenges. So I think the topic is super relevant for uh, for our audience. But where like where did this where did this passion come from? Like why why this area of focus for you? Was there some you know sort of watershed moment at some point in your career that you were just like, you know what, I've seen enough of the same vanilla stuff and I want to help people stand out? Or was it something completely different? That's a great question. And it's 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 kind of a, a strange story. I, I um, Unfortunately, I lost my first wife to cancer and I had to get out of the business for a while to be a caregiver, you know, for her, obviously. And, and so when I, you know, I was left with a huge medical bills and, and, you know, it, it was just a, a horrible time in my life and I'm trying to kick the business back into gear. And I, I called speakers bureaus who uh, they're, they're kind of like travel agents are uh, in a way, you know, they, they are a way to, yeah, some companies will go to a speakers bureau to get an independent recommendation on who they ought to have to speak at their meeting. So I called these speakers bureaus that have been booking me in the past. And I, I asked a question. I said, when you recommend me to your clients, what do you say? And every bureau had a very similar answer, which was Scott's a really good speaker and a really nice guy. Mm. Well, that's the kiss of death, you know. I mean, <laughs> they thought it was a good thing. I I couldn't imagine the the vice president of sales for some company saying, you know, at this year's meeting, let's go get a really nice guy. You know, I mean, <laughs> nobody wants that. You, you, you want you want an expert on a particular topic, you know, and and and. I realized that I was going to have to do something different to stand out. So I started researching, you know, what did it take to stand out? What did it take? And I couldn't find 
any source there there i mean there were there were books like differentiator die by al trout but I, i've always thought different is not good enough right if 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 i punch every customer in the face i am different <laughs> but, but it doesn't right. mean anybody's going to buy from me right i mean different is not better and so I, I knew there had to be something else out there and and so i i had the blinding flash of the obvious if i was as an entrepreneur if if i was having so much trouble finding this what's the chances that others were looking for the same information? So that's when I started researching it. And and what happened over the next several years has just been extraordinary because it, it turns out that every entrepreneur and every business and every sales professional really wants some insight on what does it take to stand out in a, in a competitive marketplace. Right. So, so Dean being known henceforth as the bearded wonder might be different, but that might not be what he's looking for. Or maybe it is. It, yeah, possibly. It it, it, <laughs> it might not be distinctive. It might be different, but it might not be distinctive. And, 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 and that's kind of and that's kind of the line of demarcation. There is that you know, different just means different, but distinctive means that there's something compelling enough that it attracts customers to do business with you. Well, it is one heck of a beard. Well, oh, there you go. I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of the key, right? It's the uh, it's the attraction. That the right and other things can do. <laughs> right, right. I love, I love that. I'm. Sh- I hope that makes a footnote in one of your future books. Yes. Um. I was on a podcast this one time with the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. Right. And, uh, I'm not sure uh, in the book, but I definitely think it should follow the bio of like you know got books with Arnold Schwarzenegger presented in front of the ended <laughs> <laughs> just the tips with the bearded wonder. Right. Um, like it just naturally flows there, Scott. So you From the UK on the White Horse. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's amazing. I agree with that. So we'll look for that in your future bio, you Scott. Bet. You bet. So, uh, so, so let's, let's dig into this a little bit. So what, what is the, uh, so, so, you know, you kind of went from, you know, the nice guy who's a good speaker, which is, uh, you know, you're just going to get lost in the crowd to doing uh, all of this research uh, to really understand how to you know dis- become distinguished and stand out and everything like that and and now you're you're it's it's so funny that you're known for this right and yeah. it's uh, it's it's just always fascinating to me how somebody's personal challenge when they really take it on not only do they solve something for themselves and they add value to the rest of the world and I just think that's that's super cool story. How do how does somebody uh, become distinct in this crowded marketplace? Like, what what is the way to do that? I found through the research that there were four basic cornerstones, and it, it's it's a process that you start at cornerstone one, you work your way through. But but the first is clarity. You got to be crystal clear about what your advantages are, and it's really difficult. I think the the smaller the business is, I think the harder that gets. Because we try to be all things to all people, and and man, I've 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 been there where, uh, you know, the, the my my qualification is a check that would clear. <laughs> you know, that was my target market. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever you need, sure, I'll I'll do it as long as you can pay me. You know, because we we want our businesses to succeed, and 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 that's that's the conundrum we get into sometimes is if we're not known for anything, if we don't specialize in something. Then you know the the generic is never as compelling as as the specialist as as the thing that that's focused. So the the first thing I suggest is that you really have to be able 
to to be extraordinarily clear. And, and that's a hard thing because you not only have to be precise about what you are, you have to be just as exact about what you're not. And, mm. and that's where many entrepreneurs have challenges because we get into the, oh, I can do that too. Oh, yeah, I'll do that too. And, you know, it's the old cliche of the tail wagging the dog. We we, we go down these rabbit holes as, as we're chasing cash flow that that then pulls us away from the, the clarity that can really make a difference for our business. I feel like that's a uh, terrifying prospect yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because they're like, oh my God, if I don't say yes to this, that means I'm going to go broke. I'm going to live in a cardboard box down by the river. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. So, so, so how do you, uh, how do you, I mean, I'm sure you get into this more in, in your books and, and in your, your lectures and stuff, but how, how do you, how do you sort of coach people through that mindset shift that's required so that they can focus? It's, it's so hard. I mean, I, I, that's, that's, that's one of the things that, <laughs> you know, it'd be so much easier if I could say, "Hey, here's how to uh, uh, 10x your business," and you know, here's here's the silver bullet, right? But 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 there isn't one. I mean, it, it, it is discipline. It is you know the 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 intestinal fortitude to say no to something, and that is you know it, it's amazing when when you when we go through the history of very successful entrepreneurs, there's always this moment where they say no to something. Um, you know, it's, it's an overused example, but look at what Steve Jobs did when he came back to Apple. He eliminated mm. product lines. He got rid of many of the things that they were doing. He, you know, the first step was to to be absolutely clear. If it, it, when, when you think of very, very successful businesses at the very beginning of, of, of their life cycle and you say, what do they do? You don't have to question that. You know exactly what it is. Uh, one, one of the techniques I talk about in, in one of the books is it's the old Hollywood thing of high concept. You know, if I say bomb on a bus, you think of the movie speed, even though that movie is, you know, 25 years old and took you two hours to watch. It's so clear. And that's, that's part of what we find with individual entrepreneurs, with leaders, with movies, with, when you can express it in six seconds, when, when you're so clear about what you are, that it's easy to describe. And, and see, here's the other problem that we often ignore as entrepreneurs that clarity enhances the chance that we're going to get referrals. Totally. Right? Mm. Because if if my customer can easily describe what I do, th- then it becomes more likely they will describe what, what we do to their friends and, and to their coworkers. So it, it, it's the first step of creating distinction. It's it You, you can't differentiate a generic, right? You, you can't differentiate what you can't define. And and so defining it with, with incredible precision is is very very challenging there's no doubt about it but it's it's part of the courage that we have to have as you know if you're courageous enough to become an entrepreneur then you ought to be courageous enough to truly define what it is that you do man that's that's awesome yeah, i love that good. is there a process that you take people through to to get that clarity like it, you know they sort of look at the needs in the marketplace and they evaluate their own strengths and they sort of see where where they line up with each other or is it or is it something else entirely that that you think is the better way to do it? Well, the the challenge becomes okay. So uh, part of what I say is, tell, you know, what do you do? Of course, <laughs> I, do, I had one guy say, "There's a grand jury looking into it." That's a really bad clarity statement, right there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, what happens is people tend to tell you everything that they do, 
right? I mean, for mm-hmm. example, here's a quick example of financial services. So I'm, I'm doing this program for financial advisors and I say, you know, tell me what you do. And the guy starts well through, you know, investment policies and our, you know, uh, life insurance and mutual funds. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. And I'm like, who, who's buying this? Well, come to, mm-hmm. find, come to find out the guy is a retired Air Force pilot who was beginning a second career. And so now when people say, what do you do? He says, I fly people through financial turbulence. Mm. Now we go, whoa, what's that mean? Well, now, mm-hmm. now see, the Department of Education at Yale University says uh, that, that you have six seconds to grab someone's attention. And I've, I've seen other studies that say seven. So it's, you know, the six or seven. All right. So what do we what do we tend to do? We train people to do this elevator speech. It's 30 seconds. Well, if you don't hit me in the first six, I don't listen to the rest of you, even your elevator speech anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. So, so what you have to be is so clear that when someone says, what do you do? Well, I fly people through financial turbulence. What does that mean? How do you do that? Now's the customer I'm engaged. Now's the, the prospect I want more information. But what he's also done is think about what he's saying to himself. Okay, if, if I'm preventing turbulence... That means I'm going to get you in safer investments. I'm I appeal to risk averse clients, not those that fly to the seat of the pants. I, you know, it, it implies all of these things about what his practice is now that previously he didn't have the clarity, you know, to 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 approach the marketplace. And and mm. he's he's certainly grown his practice since he he narrowed it as opposed to expand it. I, I, I met one financial advisor and now she only works with people involved with the sport of polo. <laughs> now, wow. Now that's, that's incredible. Now I, I will admit polo probably appeals to a more affluent base in your market than, Oh, oh I only do people who are bowling. You know what I mean? right. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, I mean it, it, that clarity, that, that being very, very specific. And, and frankly, in my business, when, when I started saying I teach, entrepreneurs, or I teach organizations how to create distinction in the marketplace and become iconic, changed everything for me as opposed to, uh, you know, oh, I, yeah, I could give a motivational speech. Time management? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Stress management? Yeah, I'm stressed out to come up with a new program. Sure, I can do. When, when I stopped being all things to all people and just said, this is what I do, man, it was tough turning down opportunity in the beginning, but the end result has been beyond my wildest dreams. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think that makes makes total sense. And and so if I'm understanding what you're saying, you know, in in uh, you know marketing and direct response advertising and all that stuff, you know, people try and create a hook, mm-hmm. right, to to draw people into to the next level, right? A hook for you know an article is going to be the headline, and then the hook for reading the second paragraph is the first paragraph. And if I'm understanding this like six second window that you have. That's where it needs to be sharp enough, pointy enough, and intriguing enough to hook them to listen to the rest of it, to actually ask a question about what you do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, James. And, and I, I, would, I would also hope at the same time it would reveal something about you know, what, what the values are of that entrepreneur or that organization or what the, you know, what the purpose is of, of that organization or, or that entrepreneur. You know, somewhere along the line. It, it, um, the only reason I don't use the term "hook" uh, in describing that is I, I didn't I didn't want people to think it was just like an ad slogan. You know what I mean? Because right. Right. The, the ad slogan is what I'm selling. Where this is more about w- what I am. 
mm. or, or what right. I do. You know, it, it, it's a little deeper than just, uh, you know, the, the latest ad slogan. But but no, you're exactly right. And it hooks it hooks people to, you know, mind share precedes market share. Every business, regardless of the size, wants to grow their market share, but it's the wrong place to start. Because if if prospects and customers aren't thinking about you, then they're never doing business with you. And so we've got to find ways to create mind share first, because if you do that, then it's just part of the natural flow that market share will follow. And, and you can't create mind share for a generic. There has to be something precise and specific ab- about that, that that interests and attracts and compels the, you know, the customer to at least be thinking about you and, and wanting more information about what you do and, and finding ways to follow up. Mm. So, so here's a here's an interesting thing that's that's very topical on this subject. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went and did a presentation at a small event in London. Now, after that event, you know, lots of the attendees there was maybe about twenty or so people went to like a bit of a you know just had a bit of a gathering, had a few drinks, things like this, and there was a group of about four of us stood there, and one of the guys said. Um, what is it that you do? This was a guy that I hadn't seen before. And mm-hmm. um, I was quite vague initially. So hadn't mastered my my six second attention grab. And he said, well, and, and then this led us into getting into this conversation. And we actually started discussing uh, several of the, the elements that we're talking about here about, you know, if you're not clear, you know, you won't grab people's attention, you won't get their interest. And we actually went off and we said, right, let, I tell you what, let's do a test. And we, we went and joined like another group from our party. And so there was about 10 of us also stood there. And the four of us that were in the initial group, we knew what we were about to do. And what became clear is the people that were very vague in terms of when they were asked, so what do you do? You know, let's just say, for example, somebody says, what do you do? And they say, oh, I help people start businesses. It's like, okay, very vague, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what, what became clear when we had this discussion is when somebody was vague in that sense, everybody sort of just moved on. It never, it never elicited a response to dig deeper. But just like you just said there, Scott, which is why it just came straight to mind, when you are when you get more defined and distinct yourself, it actually elicits a response. It makes people actually stand up and pay attention and say, like, oh, tell me more. What is this? You know what I mean? And that was exactly that was right. a really interesting thing I saw. Nobody wanted to dig deeper and find out more if people were vague in their description of what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And you you can't be you know what I'm you, you can't be so detailed and precise that it takes forever to say it but you're exactly right, right Dean if if you say something in a way that that is specific enough and and precise enough and distinctive enough the natural human response is either well well tell me more about that or you know how how do you do that what 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 do you do to make that happen you know those are the kinds of uh, it, it's just a natural response and and that that's fascinating what you said Dean uh, that's uh, that, that, that's a great it's it's practically a case study, right? I mean, it, yeah. It was, I mean, it was it was literally when people gave a bit of a vague response. The reply was, "Oh, okay, that's good." Yeah, right, right. Because there was nothing. There was, and there was. There was it was almost like there was no interest to mm-hmm. find out more. If I'm if I'm just blunt. Whereas, take a response like you just gave with that gentleman there. It makes you, in my in my feeling, it makes you say like. That sounds interesting. What's that about? Yeah, well, you know, Dean, I, I, you made me think of something. In, in my new book, part of what I put in there is uh, one of my pet peeves is on LinkedIn when somebody connects with you and they say, we help businesses grow. Would you like to connect for a phone call? 
Well, <laughs> hell no. Are you kidding me? I mean, my, why should I take my time to do the prospecting analysis that you should have done before you contacted right. me? Right. But if they say that, and, and, and to me, this is the total difference and it, it, it gets right to what you're saying, Dean. If they say we've done this in the past, here's how we've helped other people just like you. And then give me a couple examples. Would you like right. more information? Now, now I'm engaged. Yeah. Tell me a little more. But but when yeah. the, right out of the shoot they're saying, uh, you know, we help some generic statement. Would you like a phone call? It, it, no, and you're blocked. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Well, it's fascinating too because I like for a long time uh, I've I've never liked the idea of this elevator yeah. pitch. Um, it's like it's it feels so contrived and so rehearsed, and you like you actually like look at the eyes of somebody that you're giving your elevator pitch to and just watch them check out of the conversation. And it doesn't matter. Like you could be the the best person at anything. And if you're just talking at that person with your elevator pitch, they're going to tune out because you haven't engaged them. And, that, and that's what I love about what you're talking about is like making it so small and powerful that it could fit on a bumper sticker yeah. that people will be like, Okay, now I want to find out more. And then that that's what creates the engagement in the actual conversation where you're not just talking at somebody, you're talking with somebody. Exactly. And it's getting them engaged. And and you know, I, I said there were four cornerstones. That leads to the second one, which is creativity. And there has to be something innovative and unique about what you're doing to, to truly make it stand out and to truly make it attractive as you go through the process. And uh, it, the, the the crazy thing is you only have to be innovative at one point. You, you don't have to be this incredibly, you know, innovative entrepreneur from A to Z. If you if you can just find the, uh, one of the examples I use is enterprise rental car. It, it's not that they have better cars than Hertz, right? The Ford's the same. The, the, the Chevy's the same wherever you are. It's it's that they had the they had the idea that they'd bring the car to us. Right. Rather than making us go pick up the car, they would bring the car to us. Just being innovative at that one thing created the, the biggest rental car agency in the world. So th- they're very precise about what they are. Then they got creative at a single point, and, and, and that made the difference. And, and what tends to happen is, and, and, and this is part of the research that I did for the new book, Iconic, is that so many entrepreneurs base their plan on what the competitor is doing, right? We're, we're going to be cheaper, or we're going to be faster, or we're going to be but, – but the truly iconic – leaders and organizations and entrepreneurs say, how can we twist and make it, you know, make it unique? What, what can we do with this one particular area that, that we are, are following our own plan, not somebody else's? Yeah, that's so, so amazing. And I love, I love that distinction about the enterprise rent a car thing, because I think at first when people hear, oh, I have to be creative and I have to be innovative, then they think, well, unless I'm putting like a man on Mars, then I'm the same as everybody else. And, and what you're saying is like, you could still be in a very similar business, but the mind share that you have about who you are and what you stand for in that marketplace, you can carve out your spot there. And that's the doorway to your business. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's a, uh, a company in the Pacific Northwest that sells tires. Uh, and my buddy, Joe Calloway, who's a writer, speaker, uh, introduced me to him. And it's called Les Schwab Tires. Now, now what's more of a commodity than tires, right? So you pull into Les Schwab and this uniformed employee sprints out of the door and runs up to your car to welcome you. I, I'm not talking I'm not talking <laughs> about walk quickly. I'm not talking about 
they, it's a, I, I thought it was being carjacked the first time I pulled in. Right? <laughs> it's a dead run to your car to help you. Now, the interesting thing about Les Schwab to me is selling something that we assume is a commodity in, in, the, in the markets that they are in, they have both the highest market share and the highest margins. Now, the, the tires are no different, but the fact that they got creative at that one point, we're going to run out there and serve you. People, I mentioned this, you know, if I'm, if I'm speaking to like at a national meeting in the States and, and I will say, um, um, how many from the Pacific Northwest tires? And everybody goes, Les Schwab. What do they do? The, the, everybody from there will go, they run to your car. Now, it's not the tires are better. It's not that, but, but they found a unique, creative way to serve their customers that, that stands out. And so it's exactly what you said, James. You, you don't have to, you know, put, put the guy or gal on Mars. What, what you have to do is just find something innovative and creative that, that can make a difference for customers. Well, That's amazing. Right. So, I, so I guess, I guess, Dean, if you want to uh, sell tires in the UK, right. you can ride on a white horse and. <laughs> That's that's definitely going to be something people remember. <laughs> I just, I'll just roll out. I'll just stand there naked with a whole heap of tires just over my torso and just roll over to the vehicle. <laughs> there was a I bet that's another that. one as well, wasn't there? Like I, I re- the name of the company just has gone out of my brain. But wasn't there a, a beer company or a brewery that they they came up with the concept of like let's just tell the customers how we're brewing the beer. Let's come up with a market campaign something along those lines. And, and like the, the owner of the company, I think if the story is correct in my brain was like, well, everybody brews the same. And he said, yeah, but nobody's telling them how it's done. I'm sure I've heard that story before. And that was their unique thing. It's not that they were actually doing it differently to other companies. It's just, they were the first to actually start showing the process. Mm. I love that. Yeah. In, the, in the new book, I, I use the example. There's a craft brewery in Las Vegas where I live. And it's they, this, they're doing such a cool job because, for example, they'll have Comrade Day and, and have a Russian ale, but they only sell it on that one day. And, and I'm talking to the guy that owns the, the brewery, and I'm like, well, if it's so popular, why don't you sell it all the time? And he said, then it's not special. Right? right now, it gets back to your point earlier, James. It's having the courage to go now on Comrade Day. You can't believe the line to 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 buy this Russian ale. But the other thing is, it gets you in the brewery and gets you thinking about other you know other beers that they have, other craft brews that they have, and it's the willingness to say you know no, it's just available on this day. It, it uh, I've got a buddy that's in a band uh, in Nashville, their country music band. And uh, we're talking to their manager about, well, you know, how come we've lost some of our popularity? And he says, it's because you're always around. Your your customers can't miss you if you don't go away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Good line, right? But we always want to. It's like we, we create fatigue in the marketplace when we're constantly pushing and pushing and pushing our, our, our products and us and all that. And it, 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 we've, you know, the distinctive find these ways to make it more compelling. That's awesome. So I want to uh, I want to hear uh, pillars three and four. I want to make sure we don't lose sight. Yeah, of I'll, I'll put them together because they they do go together. Uh, the third is communication. How do you communicate? Uh, and and that that seems so simplistic and so obvious. But part of what I encourage organizations to do is to ask the customer. You know how how would you like to for us to communicate with you? 
uh, there are more forms of communication than ever, which increases the likelihood that we're not doing it right or in the way that that customer wants it done. So, you know, some customers want a phone call, some want a text, some want an email. Uh, you know, find out how your customers want the communication to be handled and, and do it in that manner. But but even more significant is with more generations than ever before in the work in the workforce and and also as customers, the, the one technique of communication that, that appeals, whether you're a baby boomer, a millennial or wherever you are on the scale, we all love a great story. Right. I mean. All of us were story junkies, regardless of our generation. But I find so many entrepreneurs who want to tell a Steve Jobs story or they want to tell a Starbucks story and they don't want to tell the story of their own business. I mean, James, mm-hmm. you, you started off. What's the story behind why you do this? You, you recognize this it is that every entrepreneur has some kind of story. But yet, for some reason, we're not really great about getting out there and telling our story. But that's what hooks people eventually is the story of, you know, how we help somebody else in a situation just like the one our customer is facing or how we played a role in in making things better or this is why we're so passionate about what we do. We love those stories. Why do you think people are so uh, shy or reluctant or hesitant to share their stories? We run from our own uniqueness. Typically... Typically, wow. we run from our own uniqueness. We can spot it. So, but that's isn't the whole consulting industry based on that? You know that that mm-hmm. uh, we we can spot it so easily externally, but we've worked so hard on our own business that we lose our perspective, and 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 therefore we we can't see our own uniqueness. And and the other thing is, being unique is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? I mean. As long as we focus on our competitor and think that if we have the same product at a little bit cheaper price or if we, you know, we'll add one little feature that we'll beat them, not realizing that that's not even what we buy ourselves, right? When we're the customer, that's not what we're attracted to. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's doing that. And, and then the fourth cornerstone that ties into that is a customer experience focus. The, the, the distinctive or obsessed with what does it feel like to, to be my customer? You know, what, what, what does it feel like? And and that's not something we're good at either. I mean, we, we've focused on so many things about our product or our service, but, but we really seldom think about emotional connectivity. But, but that's where loyalty comes from, right? I mean, why would I be loyal to something towards which I have no feeling, <laughs> right? I mean, the things I'm most loyal to are the things that I have feelings towards. And so what we have to do as entrepreneurs is, is to create this emotional connectivity and, and that happens through the experience that, that we deliver. And, and so the, 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 the question I ask of entrepreneurs is, what would it be like if everything went exactly right? I mean, you write that down and then ask yourself, okay, so what do I need to do to make it work out this way? Have, have, I, have I trained my colleagues? That, that's one of the things I know that both of you folks are so good at is, you know, how, how do entrepreneurs get the education of 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 training themselves and and their team, James. I saw, I, I downloaded the thing that that you have for executive assistants and how to make your executive assistant a rock star, and that's brilliant. You know, because what we tend to do is, you know, we hire somebody that's good, and then okay, go at it. You know, we don't we don't really think about the steps mm-hmm. that we have to go through, and and so that's that's part of what we have to do is to you know create this experience and train ourselves and educate our people so that they're able to deliver that so that we do it right every single time. It can't be random. 
Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Uh, you know. I've I got to sit with some guys uh, at one point who <clears throat> were responsible for creating the Virgin Atlantic first class oh, experience, wow. and uh, and they talked about exactly what you're saying. They said, "All right, well, what you know, what are all of the steps involved in you know booking the ticket and getting to the airport and you know getting on the plane and flying and like all of that?" And then they went through and they said, "Okay, cool. Like we want to." you know, surprise and delight people at every stage of this. But the one gap that they didn't have control over originally was, you know, they're getting to the airport is sort of stressful, right? People are, you know, packing and last minute things come up and they're, you know, they're, they're running late and all this other stuff. So they said, okay, when you book, uh, you know, they call upper class, when you book upper class, we're going to send a town car, black town car to your house. And from the second you walk out your door, you're going to be in our hands. And it just was like, you know, uh, you know, this well orchestrated thing uh, from a customer perspective that that made a huge difference that's for the airline. <laughs> that, that's ex- you really messed him up when I refused and said I prefer to bring the horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your comfort horse, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting it in that seat was a little difficult. Yeah. <laughs> well, sir, that's a very strange request, but I guess we can't really deny it. <laughs> If the man wants to ride his horse to the airport, who are we to stop him? I'll just take the water and the hay option, please. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, well, well, Scott, this is uh, this has been awesome uh, having having you on the show here. Um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about your book real fast because I know people who are listening to the show are definitely going to want to get their hands on a copy of that. So it's. Uh, it's called Iconic, uh, How Organizations and Leaders Attain and Sustain and Regain the Highest Level of Distinction. I may have botched the title just a little bit, but um, can uh, can people find it on Amazon? Do they go to their, your site? Like, yeah, how do they get it? Uh, uh, Amazon, and, and it's the old, you know, wherever books are sold. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, Amazon is probably the easiest, uh, quickest way to, to get it, uh, either on uh, audible on audiobook or e you know ebook for your kindle or or the hardcover copy whatever whatever your preferred format is but gosh we we it's just off the launch has just been incredible we're we're so excited but uh uh it 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 takes it to the highest level and i i studied there there's some you know there's some strange things i found out that, that really blew my mind in the research for example um iconic entrepreneurs uh create their own game plan uh, they they go on the offensive. They don't play defense. And and it, it, as a sports fan, I always heard defense wins championships. Uh, and then you look at the numbers, and it's not true. Right? right? It's the better offensive team that wins the game, not the better defensive team. Uh, most Super Bowl champions had a top ten offense, not a top ten defense. And 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 so even it, it, some of these cliches that that we hear. Uh, another one is uh, uh, under promise over deliver. There's there's a lot of new research that says that uh, customers eventually view that as manipulative, and it erodes the trust that a customer has with you. What what they really want you to do is to do what you said you would do when you said you would do it. That, that creates trust. So that that's what the book's about. It it covers the four cornerstones that we talked about, and then some of the things that companies that had already executed those four cornerstones who said, okay, now what do we do to take it to the highest level? That's, that's, it's, it's the result of the research on that. So cool. I can't wait to get a hands, uh, my hands on a copy of that for sure. We can make that happen. Uh, James. 
All right. <laughs> There's All right, one good. coming your way. You too, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Great. Sounds great. Are you send are you sending Dean's on a horse? I mean, that is an important thing for us to understand yeah, the, right the, now. The delivery person may not have as as distinctive of a beard. <laughs> okay. All right, we can live with that. I can assure you they will not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's amazing uh dean any uh any parting thoughts before we uh before we wrap um, up things no here? scott it's been absolutely incredible i tell you one thing that that uh that i've wrote down here that's going to stick with me and you've, you've said it perhaps twice and it's not something we've really highlighted but to me i think it's absolute gold and that is when you said the word mind share mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think i think that is absolute gold and, you. and when you said it it was just like yes that that is is so good so uh yeah that for me was a huge takeaway but yeah i think everything you've said here and i will say as well you just have the best voice so if <laughs> i'm getting you. your book on uh, audio i do hope you're reading yeah you know the funny thing is i had to audition to read my own book how how, how yeah, i really <laughs> did, did you really <laughs> there's there's some studies saying that the average audiobook purchaser uh w- wants to hear from a professional announcer and so, you know, the publisher is like, well, we're going to do an audiobook. Great. I thought, I just assumed, they, well, well, you know, the producer, can you, can you cut an audio for us to let us know how you sound? And I realized that the, the publisher that I was dealing with uh, had never really heard me talk. It had all been email and, you know, submit your manuscript and the whole bit. So I guess I understand it, but it was kind of weird to audition to read your own I book. I you said afterwards. Now, I don't expect to have to do this again. <laughs> I should, I, hopefully, that's distinctive enough that you'll. Right. <laughs> that was actually his audio reel. Listen, publisher, I hope you can now tell that my voice is good enough to read my own book. So stop giving me your bullshit and let me get on the mic. <laughs> no, great. So, no, thank you very yeah, much, Scott. It's been amazing. Great to get to know you. Thank Same you. Same here. Yeah. Well, Thanks so much for being here, Scott. Thank you uh, to all of our listeners for joining us in for another episode. We really appreciate you guys. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about us. And until next time, this is James P. Friel signing off for me and my co-host, Dean Holland, on another episode of Just Tips. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.